Well, hey guys, you can go ahead and sit down. Man, I can barely see you guys. Can you see me though? <laughs> yes? Okay. Well, today is the last week of counterculture, which is what we've been studying for the last, well, three weeks, right? So the first week, we talked about what culture means, right? We talked about how it's about a group of people or a population who follow a set of values that have a certain belief, right? Maybe it's the way they eat. I mean, over here, we love eating our tacos, right? Or maybe it's the kind of language that they speak amongst one another. And so that's what culture is. Maybe it's the, the way they respond when someone says something to them, right? For Calvary, Calvary students in specific, our culture here is hopefully to make disciples of all nations. And when a, when a student comes in here, our goal is to make them feel welcomed. Right, guys? And so when we get the word counter, what we're talking about is it's a word that's going against something. So when you put one plus two equals counterculture, what you're saying is actually you're going against their beliefs, maybe their traditions, maybe the way they speak to one another, maybe it's their attitude with one another. And so that was week one, and now week two, we talked about practical things of how we can be a counter-cultural ministry or of people, right? Eli talked about how we can be generous, how we can be generous with our time, with our talents. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but God gave every single one of you guys a talent that you can be generous with your time and your service, that you can be generous with forgiveness, even though you don't want to forgive that, that person, right? You can be generous with your love and with your grace. When the world says to be selfish, God calls us to be generous. And in week three, we talked about not believing in yourself, right? But to believe in God, that we can't be a countercultural kind of people if we do it on our own, that we need someone greater someone more faithful, someone who has kept every single promise. You know, I know me, I've always made a lot of promises. I promise to wake up early. I promise not to eat that much. <laughs> I love food. I promise to go to the gym. I've missed every single day since Monday all the way to today, right? I promise to do my homework. I promise not to speak disrespectfully to my parents. I promise to not say that to my friend again or to gossip. But time and time again, we find ourselves breaking those promises because we're human and we need someone much greater. And so we can believe in God who is faithful when we are not, right? And so that brings us to the last week, week number four. And today I'm gonna call the title of the sermon in my feelings, if you guys listen to Drake, which I don't know if you guys do, but I kind of got my inspiration from this because he's very in his feelings. You know, I know we have some graduates here. Hannah, I think Octavia is graduating. I met someone new who's graduating as well. Well, we're celebrating our graduates this Friday and on Sunday. And typically during a graduation ceremony, there's a commencement speech. 
And basically, what the commencement speech is for is it's um, during the program, a person is sharing a speech that is inspirational to the class that is graduating. So in this, in this case, it would be the class of 20, 20, 20, 2021, right? Well, particularly in the story that I'm going to share with you, this was the class of 2005. And it was a university that invited this person by the name Steve Jobs. How many of you guys know who Steve Jobs is? Yep, I know you guys know Steve Jobs because he is the founder and creator of Apple products, which most of you guys already have, right? I have it right here next to me. And so he's sharing his commencement speech, and towards the end, he says this. Listen to this carefully. He says, and most important, Have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. Now, doesn't that sound great? After working so hard for many semesters, that after you graduate, to follow your heart. Wrong. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that this is such a popular lie that we hear from our world. It sounds enticing, it sounds nice. I mean, I have dreams, I have desires. I have feelings for things and emotions that will help me get things done. But the reality of it is, is our hearts are deceitful. And an easy way to remember that is our hearts can actually trick us. It says in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond, it, beyond cure, who can understand it? So let's go ahead and break down This cliche, follow your heart. Well, the word follow is indicating that you are being led by something or someone, right? So, GPS, you put on an address and it tells you, keep going straight five miles, turn right on this street, you're three minutes away. So, you follow the directions of this thing. If it's someone, well, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you the fisher of men, right? And if my nieces and my nephew, Kaylee, Jaina, and Titus, her found in the dark and they're like, Auntie, I don't know where to go, I tell them, Follow me and I'll guide them. And they'll get really close to each other until we reach a destination of safety, right? So that's what follow means. And for the next half, your heart, what does that imply? Well, it's, it's talking about a, a compartment. That holds something that's so powerful. I'm gonna give you an example. We have several guitar cases, and some cases are built. There's a viola case over there, and what, how it's built is it's to protect that instrument. Perhaps it's carrying the bow. Right? Or maybe it's carrying the rosin, which is used for the bow to make it sound a lot more clear. Maybe it's cloth to make, you know, make sure it's clean. Well, when we're talking about your heart, your heart is a compartment that carries something very essential for your life, which is your emotions, your feelings, your desires, your dreams, your aspirations. For all my seniors over there, I know you guys have dreams after high school. And for my eighth graders, you guys are looking forward to being in high school, right? So when you're saying follow plus your heart, what you're saying in this cliche is my emotions that are very inconsistent, 
my desires that might change next week, my dreams that might be interrupted, <laughs> they're fall, that I'm being led by that. That's very dangerous. You know, I wanna share with you in the beginning, when God created the famous words, the heavens and the earth, the, the sky, the seas, the animals, he said it was good, right? He said it was good. In Genesis 1.31, he explains that their minds were good, then the intentions were good, their actions were good, their hearts were good. And God says that you can enjoy the trees, you can enjoy the fruit, you could enjoy the animals around you. But most of all, I want you to enjoy me and trust in my commandments. And so he gives them an instruction not to eat one of the trees because it can kill you. It can just kill, it can kill your spirit, your soul, and your heart. And so later on, as you guys know, Satan decides to attack Eve the same way he attacks us today that he plants doubt. Did God really say you can't eat from that tree? Did God really say you can't really look at that in your phone? Did God really say you can refrain from saying those words? I mean, you, you'll say it, it's just gonna pass, right? And then he says that God is a liar. That you, he says, you will surely not die. And then he tempts her. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And you will be like God. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like that cliche, if you ask me. Eve, you don't need God. Be your own God. Believe in yourself. It's your life. Do what you want to do with it. To each their own. Eve, you just need to follow your heart. You see, as soon as there was disobedience done, the relationship was broken between mankind and God because of that disobedience. And because of that, the result is that, you know, it shows that our heart is deceptive. And, 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 and as a result, Adam and Eve, eventually, as soon as they realized that they were naked, they were ashamed, and what did they do? They hid. They hid to be alone. They want, did not want to be in the presence of God, and they found themselves in loneliness. And that's a specific topic that I wanted to focus on tonight. In my feelings of loneliness. You know, if you look at statistics now, going back, when the pandemic happened and there was a shutdown, we were in our four walls with our technology. Social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Snapchat, <laughs> it skyrocketed like crazy. And that's what we really relied on because that was the only way we can communicate, right? And so we do feel lonely. And so what, the question is, what do we do with that feeling of loneliness? Will we allow that to lead us? Will we allow that, will we follow that? Or will we give that to God? Well, if there was a person that felt lonely, it was David. 
And if you guys know David, he was the guy that wrote several of the Psalms. And so he says this, I cry out loud to the Lord. I lift my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. And when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watches over me, my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for, for me. And look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. <laughs> How many times have you found yourself at home? Maybe not all the time, but a time where you, it was late at night and you just felt, man, I just feel so alone. I feel so rejected. I just don't feel like I'm included with my group of people. I, I still don't know if I fit in. I don't know if I'm wearing the right clothes. I don't know if I'm saying the right things. I feel so alone. He says here that no one is in his right hand and no one is concerned for him. He is honest with God. And so point number one, I'm telling you guys that you can actually bring your heart to God. Bring your heart to God. You know, what did we say heart was? It was your emotions and your dreams. You can give it to God. And as he's talking to God, as he's having this conversation, it's so like honest and so genuine and he's shouting to God with all honesty of his emptiness and his loneliness and his frustration. It's as if God's light makes his heart shape into a 180 degree and about faith. And he says this, verse five, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge and you are the portion of the live of of the land of the living. You see how when we are honest and true and genuine with the Lord, and when we expose our hearts, expose our emotions, our feelings, or even tell him our dreams and our plans, God sees that and he's in the works to mold your heart and to shape your heart, to, to redirect your focus on him. And he declares, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Oh, but we're so familiar with that language of being unwanted, right? In fact, even that innocent statement, in my feelings, I mean, you find it in a Drake song, in my feelings of not being wanted. I mean, being wanted and then unwanted, a pattern of being wanted and unwanted, being wanted and unwanted. He loves me, ah, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. They want me around them and they don't want me to have anything to do with them. There's this language that we speak to ourselves, that the culture speaks to, it, to us. But can I tell you that whether he loves you or not, or whether she checks a yes or a no, or whether he rejects you or not, that you are wanted, that you are loved, that you're seen, that you are adored, that you are treasured, that you are cherished. Because God has his eyes on 
you and his face is full of love when he looks at you, even in the midst of your loneliness, just like David. See, even though we walk a journey with Jesus right now, if you're a believer and you're walking a journey with Jesus and you're filled with his presence, that doesn't mean our feelings are not real. I don't want you to be scared with my feelings like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling these things. Like, I don't know why. But sometimes we really do feel unwanted. So let's talk about David's feelings. He was, in fact, in his feelings. He was the guy that wrote this. Though I walk through the shadows of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then he goes on and he says, my God, my God, where, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Right? He's in his feelings. I've been there before and I'm sure you have been there before. And so the example that he shows us during this, um, during this Psalm, so these simple five verses, is that when we take our hearts and we give it to him, he shapes our hearts. We don't need to no longer follow and continue following the ways of our hearts that can be deceptive, but at the end of the day, we are to follow Jesus. If you're a believer here and you've accepted Jesus as king of your life, every single day, you're gonna be tempted to follow your heart. Trust me, it's difficult. But it's a lot more rewarding when we follow Jesus. You see, David chose to take those feelings of every negativity thought, every insecure attitude, every situation where he felt despised, rejected by his friends or the group of people when he was cast aside and he brought it before almighty God. And he says this, he says, this is where I'm at. I'm in my feelings, God. Will you meet me here? Will you meet me here with your hope? Will you meet me here with your light? Will you meet me here with your love? Will you meet me here in my feelings with your embrace? And sure enough, every single time David testifies that God, you are enough, that you supply all my needs. My cup runs over surely. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But what happens to us? But what happens when we feel unwanted? After Remedy, maybe after C group, you know, you have a perfectly good day at school. You're crushing it. You're doing amazing in your grades. You have great friends and great conversations and you avoided that conversation you didn't want to have. I mean, it's a great day. And then you go to sleep, you go to, well, not sleep yet, but you go to bed and you take out that phone of yours and you start scrolling, scrolling, scrolling so that it can make you sleepy, right? And then you see a video and then this language comes up again. How come I wasn't invited to that? I went to the same middle school and high school as them. Why are they doing so good? Why are they able to do that? Why are they with that person? And all of a sudden, what a perfectly and, and good day suddenly becomes a, I'm not wanted and I'm not needed. But can I tell you tonight, 
that when you hear that, that is not the voice of God, that God is for you, that God is not against you, that he is with you. I'm gonna close with this, you know, if anyone can relate to you over there, my people at Zoom and people in person, if there's anyone that can relate to loneliness, it was Jesus. I'm gonna fast forward this. People on earth rejected him. They despised him. The people who said Hosanna when he entered into the city, the next week said, crucify him. If you want to know what it means to be betrayed, he felt that. In fact, when he was on the cross carrying the world's sin, his father in heaven had to turn his face away because God is pure and he is just, right? So Jesus understands what it means to be lonely. In fact, loneliness is not a sin. Loneliness only makes you human. The question is, what are you gonna do with your feelings, with your heart? Will we, point number one, give it to God? Point number two, will we allow God to shape it? And point number three, are we going to allow our heart to lead us or will we follow Jesus? You see, loneliness can lead you to feeling less or it can lead you to driving you to your knees and experiencing intimacy with the Father. And time and time again, he's gonna show you that he is there, he is present to meet you where you're at. Will you meet me here today, God, in my feelings? Will you meet me here again? Let's go ahead and pray, guys. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for today. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for showing us what it means to be led by your word, by your heart, by your plans, God. We understand that it's so difficult to be um, or it's so easy to be led by our feelings, our emotions, because that's what's presented by the world, God. But Lord, I just pray that you would remind us that we cannot do it without you, Father. I pray that you will remind us that not only do we understand each other when it comes to loneliness, but God, you understand what it means to feel lonely. And you also understand the other emotions that we didn't talk about, God. But Lord, you showed us that time and time again, that you gave your heart to your Father. And so today, I just ask that we would build a culture here at Calvary Students to every day give our hearts to you, that you can shape us and to mold us to be disciple makers for the glory of God among the nations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.